0: On the show today, Mister uh, Shannon, a couple of uh, of longtime friends and associates, <laughs> yeah. uh, Dave Hodge and uh, Damian Cox, join us, and a variety of topics to discuss uh, the um, the hockey season so far, the Canadian Division, the performance of the Toronto Maple Leafs, both extraordinarily good in Edmonton, and then you know mediocre at best against uh, Vancouver, uh, and we'll talk about. Um, a couple of people that we lost over the last twenty-four, thirty-six hours. That's coming up when the uh, podcast begins after this message. Well, here you go. It's the podcast for a uh, Friday. As we get you set for the uh, weekend. Hope everybody's okay. Yours truly, Bob McCown, along with John Shannon. Hello, Robert. In his uh, little box in the corner of the uh, screen. Can I?
1: Can I, Can I say something here? Oh, of
0: course you can, John. I can't
1: stop you. Look what the cat dragged in. I've always wanted line. to say that. I know. I've always wanted to say it, though. Look who the cat dragged in.
0: Uh, Dave Hodge makes a return visit uh, to the uh, podcast. We're obviously uh, happy to have him uh, with us. And look at that. Damien Cox uh, makes his premiere appearance uh, here on this um, whatever it is. August. August podcast. In March.
2: This is very, uh, very exciting. You can't imagine how excited I was to get to get a text from Corey Russell last
1: night. I mean, well, here's the thing.
2: I'd seen this podcast going along and all kinds of, you know, outstanding people being, uh, you know, invited. So I figured once you went down the list and got to about my guess was 75 names that eventually it might get to me. And and I and I don't know if I was pretty close. Yeah, thank you.
1: (laughs) Pretty close. Well, as, as Normally the question should be who canceled. <laughs>
3: uh, Damien judge for yourself. If you want to join me as a returnee. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. We got, a lot, we had a lot to talk about here. Um, I, I don't know, even know where we should begin, but let us start with the, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs who uh, 24 hours ago, looked like they might go undefeated the rest of the season. Everybody was planning the parade. You know, we've gone through this nonsense before, with the Maple Leafs, and then they stubbed their toe against Vancouver, a team they probably should have rolled over. Um, I know that doesn't mean a whole lot. Two games and two nights. Uh, I don't know. What was what was it, John? Four games and six nights, or something like that. Yep. Yep. Um, well, David, what based on what you've seen so far, is it even possible to project what this team is or could be?
3: Legitimate Stanley Cup. Uh contenders if not favorites and I speak as someone who doesn't just watch games in the Canadian division Um, I don't see a team that is as impressive as the Leafs and I know the points in the standings uh, uh, can't be used because they don't relate one division to the other but I haven't seen a team as impressive as as the Leafs.
0: Homer you've watched what do you think?
3: Yeah, well, I'm a little different. I only exclusively watch games in the Canadian
2: division, um, and I and I found that kind of uh, a bit of a throwback almost to the original six days. We see these teams locking horns all the time. And the last time the Leafs played the Canucks, um, you know, they got some interesting results. The Canucks are not a bad team. They're just to me, they're a good team that's playing really inconsistently and often badly. And last night they played well. I mean, Jake Virtanen scores two goals. How often is that going to happen? So. Um, you know, I, I think the Leafs were on a bit of, probably a little bit of an emotional low after having, you know, that three game series with the uh, Edmonton Oilers was a series everybody was talking about as a, mm-hmm. a benchmark in the season and probably a little bit of a letdown. But it was a close hockey game. It just wasn't a very inter- interesting one.
1: Well, it's it, 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 I think it speaks to the the schedule when you consider that the you know the the Maple Leafs had to play a second game in 24 hours and the four and six. I, I think that that's probably a bigger issue. Vancouver was better last night. Thatcher Demko was really good in goal. Um, I, I fully suspect after a day of rest, the Maple Leafs will be a different team on Saturday night in Vancouver, as opposed to last night.
3: This is, this is a season that uh, more than any other that I can remember that um, one should not judge any team Um, off one game or even these three and four game series Um, every team save the Leafs perhaps and Tampa Bay and a couple of others every team has seen uh, um, uh, a stretch of games where they have been literally humiliated and it has cost coaches their jobs rightly or wrongly but the humiliation doesn't last. It almost right. sparks some sort of a comeback from um, Calgary last night. They'd been embarrassed in Ottawa and you knew they were going to go home and something was going to happen. And the coach got fired and the flames went big. Um, now Edmonton is humiliated. Vancouver has been humiliated. And um, some teams have been humiliated all season long and haven't recovered from it. But I don't think that it's, it's uh, right to, to look at one game or even a, a, a short stretch of games and judge a team based solely on that.
0: To your point, David, the only team that has not been humiliated really over any stretch of time, at least, in the Canadian division is the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's it. The Montreal Canadiens went through um, um, a, a stretch of winning, then a stretch of losing, fired their coach, um ottawa's been generally inept most of the year um, edmonton has just gone through their set, so, so everybody's had this kind of a situation
1: really the, the oh. only humiliation the maple leafs have had are the two losses to ottawa yeah. uh Sorry. the no. one the one the one early in the season and then uh, when they had the 5-1 lead uh, that yeah. those yeah. are the two those are the two bad bad games that the maple leafs can point to and and say, oh, that was. And, and by the way, to David's point, the panic in the streets after they lost the four the, the four goal lead was, oh, are these the same old Leafs? So, well, so that cool. <laughs> that's the amazing thing. It
2: was only a couple of weeks ago that in Vancouver there was a lot of talk whether Jim Benning and Travis Green were going to get fired, um, and they ended up holding their jobs. While in Montreal, Claude Julien lost his job, and then of course uh, Jeff Ward in in uh, Calgary, both Julian and Ward get fired after their team won um so the and and if you look montreal was you know guns a-blazing early in the year scoring a million goals and everybody thought wow the canadians are back and now they're really struggling they've lost two out of three under the new coaching staff Um, they fire their goaltending coach in the second intermission um, of one of their games and now calgary which I don't know about you guys. I don't know what the flames are. I don't even know even know what they're supposed to be, and now they're bringing Daryl Sutter back from oh, uh, hmm. from the off the farm again in Viking Alberta. Daryl returns, one of the guys I really love in the game. But what an interesting choice for Brad Treloving.
3: Well, well the, the, thing sorry, Dave, no. No, no, the thing you have sorry, thing you have to uh, to watch uh, this season more than any other. Uh, in the standings are, are games played. Uh, the Canucks, yeah, they'll call it a big win last night over the Leafs. Um, they are uh, four points out of a, a playoff spot um, behind uh, the fourth-place Montreal Canadiens who have five games in hand mm-hmm. on Vancouver. So th- that, that swings everything uh, away from Vancouver's favor, no matter how good they look in beating the Leafs and in the Montreal's favor, just based on five games. And I I suggest that means the Canadians are getting 10 points, but it's a, it's a big, big factor. And it is in every division watching the the games played and largely the discrepancy is, is due to COVID. Mm -hmm.
0: One of the inevitabilities of um, watching any team in any sport, is that if you play badly enough for long enough, and sometimes you don't have to play that bad and you don't have to play badly that long, the coach is gonna get fired. And, and we often look at it as a process of pressure from the top down to the general manager, down to the coach. And um, that, that sort of creates that inevitability. I'm just intrigued what you two guys specifically think the impact of coaching changes, especially in the middle of the season, really has. Which, and to paraphrase that, I suppose I'm saying, How important is a coach? Damien, to you first.
2: Well, I mean, I I think in in hockey, to me, it's one of the sports where it can really matter for a variety of reasons. But, I mean, you don't have to look any further than the Toronto Maple Leafs, who changed their coach partway through, I think almost exactly a year ago. uh, Or no, it was longer than that, sorry. But they changed their coach last year and then had some ups and downs and then failed mightily in the playoffs. Now, with that coach, still without a training camp, in any exhibition games seems to be the guy who's got it dialed up with this group. So either you get a short-term jump right away, you win five games in a row and everybody says it's the one guy, or it's takes some time for the organization to adjust to the new coach, to find the players that'll fit what the coach is doing. I think that's what we're seeing in Toronto, what they're hoping to do in in Calgary or Montreal. Again, I'm, I'm really not sure. Montreal's clearly not getting the short-term bump. They've lost two out of three. And Calgary is a team that's not good offensively, not good defensively, and they're bringing back a non- analytics guy in Daryl Sutter, but a guy who's had an amazing impact on teams short term before. So it's either a short term or it takes you a year and a half before you know whether
3: you've got the right guy. Dave? Uh, sometimes you have to fire the coach. And Um, the Buffalo Sabres haven't, uh, sometimes you, you, it looks as though you have to fire the coach and the Columbus blue jackets haven't, and they have won a, a couple of games in a row. And John Tortorella is going to lead them out of the wilderness again, or so the blue jackets believe um, you can change coaches and, and win the Stanley Cup. It's it's happened, and you can change coaches and nothing happens, and um, that's usually uh, the that you know that's usually the bet that uh, the team is going to do what it's going to do regardless of whether it changes the coach or not. But there are some times when it has to be done. Uh, I don't think anybody really questioned the need for the Leafs to to make a change last year. And I will say this about the Leafs, since we're talking a lot about them, that in watching the first of those games in Edmonton, uh, the Leafs winning four to nothing and dominating completely, um, I said to myself, try to find something about this lineup and this team and the way it's playing that would suggest a bad move by the general manager. And I looked at the guy in goal and the people on defense and Spezza up front and thought of Thornton and Simmons and looked at Engvall's and Mikheyev's and he, um, this is a team that has been put together uh, very well and is now being coached very well.
1: Mm, The the, the interesting thing about, about the, the fired coaches is there's no question in my mind that this is as much an ownership decision as it is a management decision, simply because, when you look at the amount of money these teams aren't generating right now, when you realize that you're gonna to have to pay the fired coach, like Claude Julian's gonna get $5 billion next year with or without people in the building. Um, Jeff Ward was a little a, a different story, but um, the relationship in Calgary between ownership, Murray Edwards and Daryl Sutter was very good. Uh, and, and the fact that th- this team uh, would make a change uh, with revenues down as low it is, I, I actually thought we'd go through the season without any fired coaches because no owner wants to lose money. I truly believe that's why Francesco Aquilini gave the endorsement to Jim Benning, uh, Damien, because I don't think he wants to pay another penny to anyone. Well, he has to hire another general manager. Um, so to me, it, it, it was this was ownership saying, we better we better write the ship, Brad. We better write the ship, Mark, uh, and we have some issues that we have to fix, and we're prepared to bite the bullet on the extra money on the contracts, and and that to me, uh, and it's I don't think there's any coincidence either that the two fired coaches are in the Canadian division. This would be uh, the you,
3: the opposite approach uh, that uh, to broadcast networks. Right?
1: Yes, yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. No, oh, don't get Bob going on that. Don't get. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, we all have a foot in that hole, don't we? <laughs> yeah.
1: So, but just just to finish, just to I, one more thing, because Dave said he, he thinks the Maple Leafs are the best team. Um, you know, I've talked to enough people south of the border to say that they're, they're, there's a lot of people looking north and saying, "Well, it's a different style of hockey. They're they're not as physical. Um, every night's a lot tougher in the east or a lot tougher in the west." And how do you measure? And that's going to be, that'll be the real challenge when we get to the, we don't, we won't see an American team play a Canadian team until the third round of the playoffs. Um, So we know that there's going to be at least one Canadian team in the semifinals. So from, from that perspective, there won't be at least
0: there'll be exactly one.
1: (laughs) Well, no, I'm, I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying, I'm trying to be nice. Um, So. so, The,
2: the funny thing about the, uh, the division, the three divisions South of the border is, the top teams are just beating the crap out of the lower teams in those divisions and Toronto's lost twice to Ottawa. So you figure it out.
0: Well, well, let me, let me step back to the coaching thing just for a second here. Uh, I, you know, we all watch every sport. I, I, I know how to evaluate a manager in baseball, at least in my mind, how he uses his pitching rotation, his lineup, those kinds of things. I know what to, what, what I think is right and whether he agrees or whether I agree with him. Football, I think it goes without saying it's X's and O's. It's every play, you know. um, Hockey is a lot more vague for me. Uh, I'm interested in you guys educating me on exactly what it is that you, if you were a general manager, what would you want? What asset do you want your coach to bring when you make that coaching change? What exactly is he doing? Is this technical stuff? Or is this mostly about relationships? Yes. Cool. It's both. Yes. <laughs>
2: well, you know what? Let me jump in and say, I think, two things. Once you either want the guy to bring organization because your team's all over the place, or you want him to bring something to kick the butt of your best players and get your best players going. And I think that's mm-hmm. what we're going to see in Calgary. You got to get Gaudreau and Monaghan and those guys going. Um And I think in Toronto, it was an organizational thing between um, when they made a change between they wanted a GM and a coach to be on the same page. Um, So, you know, to me, you know, all 31 teams in the league, and I assume the 32nd team, the Seattle Kraken, will do the same, all play kind of the same style of hockey. We've seen a development of this homogenous style of NHL hockey in the last few years. There's differences, but... They all play about the same style. For me, a coach has got to be the guy who gets his guys revved up to go and all on the
3: same page. And that's when,
2: the, when that's not the case, that's when they make a
3: change. I, I, want, a, I want a coach uh, that nobody knows uh, and or nobody thinks would ever become a good coach. <laughs> uh, Jeremy Colleton, like who, who, who knows him? People in Chicago don't know him and he coaches the Blackhawks. <laughs> Uh, Dean Evason coaches the Minnesota Wild, and you could stump a lot of hockey fans with that mm-hmm. name. Uh, Bruce Cassidy is somebody that was never mentioned in, in either of my years as a good coach or uh, somebody who would become a coach in the NHL, and I think he's a very good coach in Boston. I think sometimes the, the, the fame and the notoriety that follows these guys um, can um, can be a detriment, and uh, you know, give me a no-name coach. How does that How does that feel?
1: Well, I
0: don't know that I have the answer to the question, and I, which is <laughs> so,
1: like, so, exactly why I asked. So, so to, just to, fo- to follow up on in Calgary, the, the the vision I had last night when we got the news about Daryl was, uh, and all you guys are wrestling fans. I know you love wrestling. Was the lights go down? the spotlight comes out and here comes the undertaker (laughs) and and here comes Daryl because uh, I'll tell you what the reality check that that team is going to have with Daryl Sutter and Daryl, Daryl now by reputation alone, doesn't have to say anything. He can walk into the room and and it's similar to what we, we saw when Lou Lamorello showed up in Toronto as the manager, Daryl will walk in the room and, the players are going to be wide eyed. They are going to be responsive. They are not going to be out of line and Daryl won't have said a word yet. And I think that that's the one thing that, that they're trying to do in Calgary is to make sure that I don't want to call it a culture change. I don't want to call it a a country club, but I do think that what they're trying to do is create accountability. And Daryl Sutter will do that in Calgary.
2: So the one thing about Daryl Sutter, it's a second go-round in in Calgary. And I'd be interested what you guys think about second go-rounds in sports. I mean, it's the Billy Martin syndrome, right? Uh, This used to work. Leafs bring back or win four Stanley Cups with Punch Imlach in the 60s. Mm -hmm. They bring him back in the late 70s. It's a complete disaster. Claude Julio got two cracks in Montreal. Wasn't very successful the second time at all. Daryl Sutter, though, is kind of different because when he left, he was there. He was the name of the coach in 2002. He left in 2010. And it was, the feeling was he'd run out of gas. The, the, they were tired of him, you know, and, and all that sort of stuff. And they'd never won. They were the team that couldn't win. Now, maybe they should have on the Martin Jelena goal, but that's another argument. But they'd never won. Now he comes back to town with two Stanley Cup rings. He's a guy who can win, who has proven he mm-hmm. can win and not so long ago. So the second act in in uh, of coaches is always always a fascinating one.
3: His his act uh, won't change. Uh, None of his players will receive a Hallmark card from Daryl Sutter. No. And and they won't get too many pats on the back. He'll hit them on the back.
1: No, Uh, you can't do uh, that anymore, Dave.
3: Yeah, and 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 Daryl Sutter needs to uh, learn that.
1: Yeah. Well, he's got a
0: team that he's, you know, is there a single player in Calgary that, that was there when, when Sutter got fired? I don't think oh, so. Oh, no, no,
1: no, Uh Michael, uh, he actually drafted Michael Backlund. He was the manager when they drafted Michael Backlund. So, well, so that's as close as you can come. So
0: it's, it might as well be a new guy. It might might as well be a guy they, they didn't know. I mean, the fact that he was there so many years ago was, uh, is almost inconsequential. Uh, it, the trade deadline will be intriguing this year. And I'm, I assume the uh, two big sports networks will uh, spend uh, colossal amounts of money since they've saved so much money in firing all of us um, that, that they'll, they'll continue to do this nonsense on trade deadline day. Will there be a trade to discuss? Not 20, not 30 insignificant fourth line guys. Will there be even one? David is
3: going to explain the uh, the COVID uh, uh, complications regarding trades.
0: Well, we under, I think everybody gets it, you know, if you trade uh, uh, from Canada to the US or uh, some sometimes from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, guys are gonna sit for as long as two weeks and our general manager is gonna be willing to to, to live with that. I well, mean, and, and,
2: and then to that point, you wonder if it puts a bit more, uh, or gives more possibilities that the, the trades that do happen might happen between Canadian teams.
0: Well, that's just it.
2: Yeah. I mean, because then you don't have to sit the guy down for two weeks and who knows what happens after that. So the Leafs get Alex Galchenyuk from Ottawa. He doesn't have to go through it. Now they put him in the minor leagues, but they got him playing right away. Ottawa gets Ryan Dezingle from one of the U.S. teams and he does, he just started playing now. So if it's going to be close for the playoffs, and I think we all imagine it's going to be, the Leafs are going to finish first and then it's going to be second, third, fourth, and it's going to be really close um you missing a guy for two weeks like winnipeg had to do without um uh Patrick for two weeks before dubois got playing around april i don't think you're going to be able to do that and feel very confident that your team's going to be able to make playoffs now maybe I, I re- one team that will be able to do that
3: i remember a trade deadline broadcast that felt like two week quarantines
0: it's <laughs> yeah, <that's> everyone right. <laughs> i think everyone does i think you're being too subtle there hodge
1: but but i I will i will note that this will be probably be the first trade deadline that we've all done in a while that we could actually golf on you know so we so we could be on the I golf course well well no, they're, they're working uh, april <laughs> april the 12th by the way is the date april the 12th uh, so the, the other, I, I, I think, Damien, you talked about the, the, the top of divisions in the US beating the bottoms of the divisions. I think we got a real sense of who's going to be a trader now. I think we know that we know uh, seven or eight teams right now, including the senators. And I think the question becomes, uh, are, is Vancouver in that group? Are, and, and Calgary's trying not to be in that group. Uh, are, are there teams that are, are prepared to make moves for the future? And I mean, Ryan Dezingold may have the shortest career in Ottawa the second time around. Well, I think uh, because I, I, I f- fully expect that he will move uh, on the 12th of April again.
2: You mentioned Calgary. I think they're the team that likely is to make a move. Sam Bennett seems likely to go. Now, whether he'll get a new life under Daryl Sutter, I don't know. Um, Sutter? You know, uh, Daryl
1: Sutter, Daryl Sutter.
2: Yeah. So I think that, uh, you know, we're going to see some teams move. Qu- Everything seems to be happening. Calgary Montreal fired their coach after 17 games because it's only a 56 game season. And they were four games over 500, depending on how you count 500, the Calgary flames are 11 and 11 and two, 24 games. They fired their coach. Everything's happening faster. Um, in a 56 game it,
0: season. I heard, uh, I want to take a break, but I heard this conversation on uh, one of the TV networks. I think it was TSN. Um, what move is the are the Toronto Maple Leafs most likely to make? Uh, David, you talked earlier, and it's hard to argue that they look about as good as you can look. Is there a need um, for the Toronto Maple Leafs? And if so, what the hell's that?
3: I'm shocked that question was asked on TSN. It was. <laughs> <laughs> That's a
2: whole
1: other show, isn't it? it was um, it was on was a the, prob- <laughs> well, the problem the problem was guys it was on a Winnipeg Montreal broadcast so no. was- <laughs> and and did
3: did it require a top five answers <laughs>
0: uh, it probably <laughs> or- did but I cl- as soon as i heard it I went really click and change the channel or yeah, a quiz. I, I
3: you know what i i haven't i haven't given that question that much thought but i would i would think Sure, the Leafs are in a position uh, where they could win the Stanley Cup. I think they believe that. I think they believe that from the start um, of this season or from the end of last season. I think the addition of Thornton and Simmons, those are moves that the teams that think they're going to go for it make. And those aren't moves that a team with Matthews, Marner, Riley, all, you know, maturing at the same time, um, would would consider so? Yeah, I think the Leafs are uh, are a team that has made moves with a Stanley Cup in mind, and it's quite possible there's another one coming. I don't know what it would be.
0: Damien. The only,
3: the only thing I was going to say
2: about Toronto is uh, I, I mean I hear in fact on TSN that they're talking every seem to be a consensus a top six forward. I don't see that. I think they need Wayne Wayne Simmons back and playing mm-hmm. the away. To- They've got Nick Robertson and Alex Galchenyuk maybe as guys who can help in the minors. I think they need a defenseman. Everybody needs a defenseman. You come yeah. with Travis Dermott you know, in a tough playoff series. Maybe you are, maybe not. But you know you're going to need more than six guys. And they think with Mika Lettinen, they've got a seventh guy. But you get into eight, ninth guys in the playoffs. So I think the Leafs need another defenseman.
1: Well, I hate to say it, but too. Damian's right.
0: Uh, yeah, well... The intriguing thing too is during the off season, there was a debate about um, the validity of Anderson coming back or should he be disposed of because he was um, inferior, and there was absolutely no confidence that the any, anybody else that the Leafs had as a goaltender in the organization was going to be a, a viable
1: replacement. Now
0: you got all three guys are playing great, so well, now the
1: now the know. dilemma, Bob. Now the dilemma, Bob, is is uh, when you look at the goaltenders that are going to be free agents this summer. You 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 better go find, sign Fred Anderson. You, you better sign him. He he might be the best free agent goalie out there this summer. So, uh, so, so that's going to be the, the dilemma. What you're saying? Oh, no, I I think Jack Campbell's a quality backup goaltender. I think Freddie Anderson's a starter. They came
3: close to doing something that uh, has never been done, surely, and will surely never be done again because they didn't quite do it. But no team, and the schedule has something to do with this, no team has won three consecutive games by shutout using three different goalies right. facing the same team, beating the same opponent. Um, you know, you were rooting for, for, for an Anderson shutout, so you could say this is something that, uh, that goes into the NHL history books.
0: Let's take a quick break. Uh, We'll come back with uh, more. Dave Hodge, Damian Cox uh, with us on the podcast today. Back after this. With David Hodge, Damian Cox, Bob McCowan, John Shannon. Uh, Sadly, we are at a point in our lives where um, with increasing regularity, it seems, uh, we are losing friends. And um, that was the case with at least a couple. Um, in the last well 24 36 hours uh walter Gretzky who needs no explanation introduction uh, passed away i believe at the age of 82 john is that right 82 and um there have been many many tributes uh, to him i i, I spent like i guess like everybody if you're if you're in the business of sports it's almost inevitable that you're going to run into Walter uh, at some point in your in your life and and i that's what happened to me I can't say I was a friend. I can't say I knew him well. He was on the show on a couple of occasions. I, I saw him walk into the studio on a couple of other occasions and said hello. But that was really the extent of it. I'm wondering if any of you guys had a deep, extensive relationship with him and could share maybe some of the moments that you spent. David?
3: Well, I, uh, I'm one of, I assume, many uh, who spent time in the basement of the Gretzky home uh, in Brantford with an extent, extended interview with with uh, Wally, as I, as I came to call him. I asked him once, uh, who's allowed to call you Wally? And he said, my friends. <laughs> and uh, so that, I figured that included anybody. And uh, I was happy to uh, be included in that group. Um, and... Um, the memorabilia in, in the, in the basement was impressive. It wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't anything to rival a hockey hall of fame, but it was, it was, it was Gretzky memorabilia. Mm. And I remember vividly, uh, Walter putting his hand on my shoulder and saying, there are years that you can't, uh, ask me about. And, um, I guess I should have been prepared, but I said, Oh, uh, what and why? And he said, um, my, my memory is, is, is wiped from some of Wayne's greatest accomplishments and and best seasons. And I said, thank you very much. And later, uh, as an aside, uh, Wayne who watched it and said it was, he enjoyed it said, um, I should have told you that that uh, my dad uh, had lost his memory. Uh, following that, every time I saw Walter Gretzky, his his memory was amazing. It was good job uh, a month ago on that. I like what you said about Wayne this occasion. Um, I watched the interview with Wayne, and I really thought it was good. And. You know the, the, those two things have sort of been bouncing around in my head, and the only other thing I would say about about the uh, about the trip to the basement in Brantford was when I heard that half a million dollars of that memorabilia had been stolen. Mm. Um, I, my stomach felt felt sick, and um, I continue to try to follow that story and hope there is uh, justice.
0: Damien, God. you spend much time with Walter
2: met him a couple of times. Uh, usually, uh, you know, he was in the stands and very briefly. I knew Walter, though, like a, lo- a lot of people in the game through Wayne. And um, most recently when I was uh, working on a book that came out a couple of years ago on the 93 series between the Kings and the Leafs, available at fine bookstores near you. Um, is that a lot? Thank you. Um, the uh, Talk to Wayne about the 93 series. Game seven, he gets the hat trick. And there's an incredible moment in that series. Walter, um, I wasn't privileged privileged enough to call him Wally. Walter had um, just, or was recovering from a stroke. And the family was very concerned about the pace of his recovery and how he was. But he made it to game seven and was sitting on the glass across from the King's bench uh, at Maple Leaf Gardens. And there's an unbelievable moment that they actually caught on television. And that was after I think Wayne had scored his third goal, sitting on the bench, sort of leaning with it, you know, and teammates. And he looks across the rink and he sees his father and he just sort of nods like that. And you knew that it was important to him because his father recognized the moment and recognized what was going on with his son and that it was an important moment for his son. And when I... When Wayne uh, over a long distance telephone call told me that story and then I went back and watched the video, what a connection between father and son, the one we all would all like to have had with our fathers and that we'd like to have with our, with our kids, right? With our boys or, um, and so again, that's how I knew Walter was, was through Wayne.
1: John? I think the amazing thing is, is that there isn't one Canadian hockey fan that doesn't think they have a Walter Gretzky story. Uh, That's, that's how many people he touched. Uh, I was fortunate enough to do a few golf tournaments with Walter, whether it was for the CNIB or for the Heart and Stroke Foundation. And this guy, if there were 160 people in the room, he, he, he did, he did 160 individual little discussions with people and took pictures and spoke to everybody. He was truly amazing. And this is, this is after the stroke, Damien. Um, that's how amazing he was. I, I was really fortunate over, I think, three different levels uh, of my time going to Edmonton as many times as I did in the eighties. And every time Walter came to town, you know, there was Walter Gretzky and, and Walter and Wayne. And and Walter was one of those classic Canadian hockey fathers that absolutely loved hockey night in Canada. So every time I saw him in those days, and I was wearing my baby blue blazer, Walter would come over and say, hello, and and would shake my hand and say, how are things going? And uh, knew my name, which which meant more to me than I think he would ever realize. Uh, Then fast forward to my time at running hockey night and Wayne's retirement night in New York City uh, at Madison Square Garden. And how open the family was to all of us enjoying that final night uh, with Wayne at the garden against the Penguins. And then finally, um, uh, the last experience was, uh, again, I was, I was close enough to him because of uh, my connection with the Olympics and Wayne's involvement in the Olympics uh, that um, they gave Walter, Hockey Canada gave Walter a special jacket uh, after they had won the the gold medal in 2002 and walter wore it everywhere walter was so proud of not just his son but proud of canadian hockey and that canadian hockey was back so those days at air canada center that it was known then you'd see walter wearing his his hockey canada 50 uh, years of of gold medal champions uh, around and, and just finally as a guy who was around that arena a lot i was amazed at every time they shot Walter sitting in his seat. The organic standing ovation for Walter Gretzky. I, I think I saw it five or six times Yeah, and it was hockey fans saluting Canada's hockey dad. And that to me spoke volumes of what we thought of Wayne Phyllis, who was a great lady. Uh, and the whole family, and particularly Walter, of what he meant to uh, to Canadians, it was uh, it was re- really really touching every time. Well
0: said by all. Uh, we lost an um, another familiar face, and um, and voice, and a friend. Um, on Thursday night, Chris Schultz uh, passed away. Um, I'm told of a heart attack at age 61. Um, Chris, unless I'm wrong, actually got his start on primetime sports. Um, as a broadcaster and we've kind of popped in now and then and and did a couple of little a b- bunch of bits and things wound up going to TSN became a big star over there doing um, doing football and um, I know David you spent a fair bit of time with Chris
3: uh, every Sunday morning um, as I've as I've said uh, I hate to repeat um, tweets but uh, the first thing that comes to your mind these days when we get this this kind of news is what goes out on Twitter, and um, we've had the, too much of this kind of news lately. But um, we would leave the set of TSN, the reporters uh, Steve and 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 Bruce and Michael, and the first person we would see would be Chris, uh, preparing for his CFL gig on on a Sunday afternoon, but why he was there that early we wondered and one time we asked and he said oh I always get here this early so I can watch you guys and I really like that segment about this and that and what do you think about this um and we called him our largest fan uh Mm -hmm. and and sometimes it bothers me these these monikers that that we attach to people um but a perfect one was Gentle Giant, for, yeah. for Chris Schultz. Uh, Happy go lucky, uh, and always uh, always enthusiastic. Though uh, life gave him his problems uh, from time to time, but he was always a joy to be around. And um, you know, for us <laughs> for us to uh, to get direct uh, approval from a fan moments after we left the set. Man, we like that guy a whole lot. <laughs>
0: Damien, did you, did you know Chris? Oh yeah.
2: oh, yeah. Well, Chris was from Burlington. I'm from Hamilton. Uh, um, and uh, I used to run into him at a variety of things, whether it's at CFL Games or in the studios, the TSN studios. You know, you wouldn't think that Chris uh, Schultz and Walter Gretzky had anything in common. But, boy, they sure did. And that was incredible passion for the game they loved. Chris Schultz and the way he would talk about football, you would mm-hmm. think it was like he was talking about his favorite movie over and over and over. It just, he loved the contact. He loved the, you know, the, 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 the schemes and all that sort of stuff. Um, he had a great camaraderie on air. I think Matt Dunnigan, Rod Smith, those guys, they, they put on a great show. Um, and he, you know, he was a big man who liked being a big man. Um, my hand still hurts from the times he would shake your hand. I mean, your hand would just disappear and then sort of crumple. But he and he took a bit of pleasure out of that—that that he could do that. And I think I agree with Dave. I mean, always laughing and always so passionate about football and really passionate about the Canadian Football League. So anybody, you know, can we all be as passionate about our work and our lives as Chris Schultz was uh, about the game of
3: football? It- before John weighs in on on the CFL part of of Chris Schultz, uh, we ought to remember that uh, once upon a time you couldn't mention his name without h- having somebody say, "You know, he used to play for the Dallas Cowboys." Dallas
1: Cowboys, that's and right.
3: It, and 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 it and wow, really? Yes, he played for the Dallas Cowboys, and and now we've come to the point where, and Damien, I'll give I'll give the Lou Marsh Award. Uh, a, a plug here. We have another offensive lineman from Canada, uh, Laurent Duvernay Tardif, who was a co winner of the Lou Marsh Award, playing uh, uh, on the offensive line, um, not this season. Um, that's a whole other story uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, and when I voted for uh, Monsieur Duvernay Tardif uh, to win this year's Lou Marsh Award, I thought of Chris Schultz, oh. another lineman.
1: From Canada in the NFL yeah well I was going to mention the Cowboys but it's at at six foot seven let's remember this guy was as a football player was a true anchor to an offensive line for the Argonauts when the Argonauts were really good I don't know if anybody remembers when the Argonauts are really good they were they were very good they were a very good football team I my my first my first uh, memory of sitting with Chris and talking to him I, I had been around the CFL a few years but Chris was injured and I got invited to sit. And this is kind of, there. there is a bit of irony in this or coincidence, depending on which whether Damien will correct me. Um, it was uh, Bruce and Wayne and John Candy owned the football team uh, and Chris was injured. And we got invited to sit in the owner's box uh, and Chris was with us. And he sat and watched every play of the Argonaut game and detailed everything his passion for football was remarkable uh, and from that point on Chris and I were friends and uh we, and while I didn't work alongside him there was always an, an opportunity to say hello there's always an opportunity to talk um and he he truly was a gentle giant uh in in the way he approached life and approached the game uh, and uh, in the last few years, as I understand, he, his, his life had fallen properly into place and he was happy. Uh, and it's just a, it's, it's tragic when uh, events like this happen to, to good people. So I, it's, it's a sad, sad day that way.
3: I, I hate to make uh, this conversation sadder, but just in terms of, uh, of knowing what we'd be talking about, we're in the first few days of the third month. Of this year of 2021, and we have also lost uh, Frank Orr, uh, right. Dick Bradbeer, a guy we all knew, uh, Tony Darchi who uh, worked with us at those of us who did work at, at TSN, and beyond that, probably the greatest, surely the greatest actor Canada ever produced, uh, Christopher Plummer. Uh, from the world of sports, Hank Aaron, Leon Spinks, Tommy Lasorda, uh, from hockey, Irving Grundman. from broadcasting, Larry King, from acting, Cicely Tyson and Flores Leachman, and Hal Holbrook, um, from music, Chick Corea, Mary Wilson, the founder of the Supremes, Captain Sir Thomas Moore, who um, amazed everybody, nearly 100 years old and raising $45 million for COVID relief. And I'll really age myself when I talk about the death of Joe Altabelli, who hmm. played for the Toronto Maple Leafs baseball team and also the Montreal Royals in the old International League and went on to a major league career. Um, s- sorry for making a list of people who we have lost oh. already in 2021, but it makes you shake your head and it makes you say, no more. Give us a break. Let's all do our best to stay off Dave's
2: list we don't you know, want to be on that list yeah you
1: know, the, the interesting thing about that is is that uh, it, it, we're getting old but we're also we're also talking about people that we feel we a lot of those people you mentioned dave and and everybody around them is that we think we knew them because of the way the world communicates now whether it be television whether it be movies uh, i mean so you, you know when, when when henry aaron passed away uh, we all thought we knew henry aaron a little bit we all remember where we were when he hit 715, you know, and that, and that's, and, 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 and in many ways, Walter was like that. Cause we, I, we all think we knew Walter because we saw Walter and Wayne talked about his dad so much. Uh, and, and that really, that's the mat in many ways, that's the magic of the business that we are all in, in communication and in, and in, in broadcasting uh, that uh, people feel closer to all these people.
0: I remember where I was when uh, Hank Aaron hit uh, seven fifteen. I was in my crib and I was pointing at the um, at the TV, going goo, goo gaga." And um, I don't know about the rest of you. Um, uh, and let me. Wonder- I don't. I don't.
1: I don't think they would ever call the Don Jail a crib, but that's okay. Now, now, now.
0: Uh, I, I one more thing on Chris Schultz, and and
1: it's uh, not meant
0: to be um, disrespectful in any way, shape, or form. But I, I'm intrigued by whether you guys recognize the same thing in him. Chris Schultz use the word football as an adjective more than anybody i ever knew it, we, a guy wasn't a player he was a football player a football coach a football this a foot he would throw the word football in 15 times in one se- sentence and i i remember i always teased him about it and um but i loved the fact that he did it and it, it reflected exactly what you guys were talking about a guy who Absolutely loved his sport, whether it was NFL or CFL, and gave you gave you a hundred percent in the studio as much as he gave you a hundred percent on the field.
3: You know, you know who else does that, Bob? There's a few. Just about every football player who played football <laughs> and then went on to broadcast football and loved football. Oh, I know,
0: <laughs> I know, but I know, but <laughs> But Schultz <laughs> was the first guy that I actually sat in the same studio with and heard him rhyme this off, and I just couldn't let it pass. Oh. Uh, guys, we've kept you um, as long as we uh, dare. Uh, we uh, thank you both uh, very much for uh, joining us. David, your return appearance was August as usual. And Cox, who knows? At some point, we're going to get to 150, and, you know, the 75 will flip over, and uh, you'll get another invitation. We hope you'll accept it. Hey, don't, maybe, don't, 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 maybe don't, maybe don't. don't.
3: the month of August.
1: Don't promise what you don't know, Bob, please. And
3: don't, uh, don't don't assume that if you're back, I'll be on that show, Damien. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we all you, have man. things to do.
0: On that friendly note.
2: Stay, stay off Dave's note. Stay off Dave's list.
0: On that yeah. friendly he, note, he, we'll, uh, we'll bid you a fond to do. Have a nice weekend. Uh, we'll catch you on Monday. Goodbye, everybody.